Tuesday night here in Los Angeles at Staples Center for a post-game edition of Lockdown Women's Basketball. I've got two special guests with me to run through this first-round game between the Sparks and the Lynx. Demi Burias of LA Sports Access and Brady Klopfer of The Athletic LA and WNBA Insider. Uh, the Sparks pulled away in this one 75-68, and let's just kick it to you guys. Delmi, your biggest takeaway from this game, or what just stood out to you the most? Obviously, Raquana Williams and Chelsea Gray. I think we can all agree with that. Um, very high-energy game. and I mean, Kat, we were talking about Candice Parker earlier. Two points, only two points, and they managed to pull off the win. So definitely a win that the team needed going into Thursday's game. Well, yeah, we found out. At the end of the game, obviously we're here, so we don't know how much it was mentioned on the broadcast, if at all, but Brian Agler did note in his presser that Candace wasn't feeling well, dealing with maybe a stomach bug or just her stomach wasn't feeling well. Uh, so that obviously had a big impact on, on the game, but Brady, from this game, what do you, what stood out to you most? I mean, the biggest thing for me was the defensive rotations. That, combined with the shooting, it was a reminder that the Sparks... Are the can be the best team in the league on any given night when they are executing to the best of their abilities. And we didn't see it in the first quarter and the first few minutes of the second quarter. And then for the last, you know, 26, 27 minutes of the game, we saw a team that was just ferocious in the way that they were rotating defensively. Uh, Elena Beard had numerous times where she managed to swap the ball away from Sylvia Fowles. And then you pair that with the shooting of, of Gray and, and Raquana Williams and Neka Gumake obviously having a very efficient game, 6 of 10 shooting, 7 of 8 from the free throw line. Everything was clicking for them. And, and you know, Brian Agler's talked with us a lot about how there's, there's no replacement for talent and for star talent. And the fact that they were able to come in here, get two points from Candace Parker and still win was kind of a testament to the fact that this is not a one-star team. This is a three-star team. And tonight they had two stars clicking, and that was enough. Yeah, I mean, it it didn't feel like this much without Strand's stat sheet, but Rapana, 17 points mm-hmm. on 6 of 12 shooting, three threes. I mean, her, her being in, inserted late in the season in the starting lineup, you know, we had... You know, what I call, you know, 2016 Sparks with Essence Carson starting 2017 Sparks where Odyssey Sims stepped in. And now, you know, I guess this is 2018 if, you know, tell me what have you thought of Raquana? I mean, obviously tonight the ball went in, but going back to when she start, entered the lineup, what have you noticed from her? Wait, am I wrong? Didn't she score all points in that second half? Or do I have that stat completely off? She had most of them were in the third and fourth, first, I, I think. think. She made any in the first quarter. But anyway, no, Raquana has been amazing. Yeah, fourth start for her, for the team. Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of her. I think I always preach about the way that Raquana plays. She has a lot of high energy. She can make those threes like no one can. And once she gets that ball rolling, there's no, there's no stopping her. So I'm glad she's seeing more minutes. Um, though it does make me question where does that kind of put Odyssey in all of this? Um, how is she going to fit as far as, you know, a bench player and her role in it? But I'm all for Raquana starting for the team. Well, you know, I mean, I think it is, that is an interesting conversation to have. I, you know, as all three of them have started games this year. You know, we know 
we know who four of those five starters are going to be. Yeah. We've seen Essence start some games, obviously, of course, and now Raquana. To me, I think, like, you look at tonight, like, eight players played, like, and those three guards, all of them are going to play in any game. If the, and especially in a series, if the Sparks are going to be su- successful, all three of them have to play. So, but, yeah, I think it is a little different, I think. But I think it's 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 been a very different season. Like, when you have... Raquan was a 38% three-point shooter. And, like, they need someone... They need people to make shots around Candace and Chelsea. And Raquana and Essence have more so been those spot-up players. And, I don't know. I mean, what have, what have you thought of Odyssey's season? Do you think... I mean, do you think this is some... A, you know, if they do get to the semis and they're in a five-game series, do you think she can be a player making an impact if it's only 10, 11 minutes a game? I think she can, but I think it's going to be limited. Um, I think at this point, the way everyone's playing and just the lineup construction, I think of those three, Raquana, mm-hmm. Essence Carson, and Odyssey Sims, I think Sims is pretty clearly third on that list right now, especially when you take into account just the roster construction. And Carson and Raquana Williams are better shooters, and this team needs that spacing. Um Sims, not nearly as good of a shooter. What she can do is provide some athleticism, cutting. She's been on the receiving end of a lot of great Candace Parker passes, a lot of great Chelsea Gray passes, and she can she can do a good job of breaking down some of those defenses with some of her off-ball movement towards the rim. Uh, but I think at this point in the season, as it usually is in the postseason, it comes down to matchups. Uh, and I think that Odyssey Sims can be a really, really good player in certain matchups, and I think she can be a big weakness in certain matchups. And I think for Brian Adler, the puzzle is what matchups do you put her into? What matchups do you leave her on the bench more? Because she's not as versatile as Raquana in essence. Yeah, and I, mean, I think it's, it's also just them finding combinations, you know, mm-hmm. when... Because, you know, when Odyssey's starting, she's playing a lot of minutes with Lena Beard. And now those are two players that teams are going to be willing to sag off of. Mm-hmm. If it means you can throw another body at Candace or Chelsea to stop them from getting the basket or at NECA inside. But, you know, it's not like... At the same time, like, it's not, you know... This is... This is the... You know, the point of this team is that they have this depth, though. Mm-hmm. That, you know, Raquana has stepped into a bigger role. Essence shooting the ball really well this year. The defense has always been there, so she can play more minutes. So it, you know, in a way, I don't, I don't really see any faults in the season that she's had and won. Mm-hmm. Because one, you know, the Lin- Lindsey Whalen jokes aside, you know, people had a lot of fun rehashing that beef. But like, guarding Lindsey Whalen or not, like Odyssey Sims is a really good defender, and yes, the Sparks at their core, like they're all about their defense and that starting from there and she's a player that's always going to be like that's going to be there for her because you know it's easy to harp on players not making shots but you know who else plays a lot with her that could help her look better by hitting some shots is Jantel Lavender who had some games this year Yep. where some games where she was invisible some games where maybe teams just played her to that and forced her to do other stuff but um, for her she hit a couple of shots off the bench finished 3 of 5 and coming off that you know that came in Connecticut I think it may have been one of you two that tweeted out like it was maybe a blessing in disguise for Jantel to have a chance to start. She played 36 minutes, shot 6 of 10, got up five threes, 
and made two of them like that. If she's making three, four shots a game, just that alone is huge. What, what do you guys think about what, what she adds? I mean, I think the biggest thing that she adds, this might sound a little bit like a cop-out answer, but is just the ability to keep the team fresh. And that's what you want from your bench players. She played 13 and a half minutes tonight. Candace Parker played 29 minutes, almost 30 minutes. Obviously, part of that was because Parker wasn't feeling well. But when you have a player who can come in like Lavender and hit some shots for you, not be a weakness on offense. She did a good job defending the rim, I thought, tonight. She grabbed some rebounds. She had three rebounds in 13 and a half minutes. It's not great, but you know, not a weakness either. And it allows you, like you said, to focus on your depth, which, which is huge this time of year because these teams aren't going to be playing 10 or 11 players deep. They're going to be playing seven or eight deep. But when those sixth, seventh, and eighth players are playing well enough that you can get an extra minute or two of rest for your stars, we saw that in 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 the fourth quarter. The Sparks played eight players. The Lynx, for all intents and purposes, played seven players. The Sparks looked fresher in the final minutes of the game. And that's the biggest thing to me that Lavender does is... Is just be a competent player that allows Candace to rest, allows NECA to rest, allows the team to be at full strength when the fourth quarter comes around. But when she plays like she did today, that kind of energy from the five is is huge for the Sparks. She was rolling hard to the rim. She was protecting the rim. She was hitting the glass hard and putting body on Sylvia Fowles. Um, is really everything that you want out of a backup big. And I agree with all of that. However, my problem with her is that she's been very inconsistent this season. She's had a lot of up and downs, and that's why I think she needed that Connecticut game to kind of give her that confidence and get her going and, you know, go into today's game being confident about her, her game. And I think it showed, obviously. She had good numbers today. She was obviously efficient in many ways. But inconsistency is the problem for her, in my opinion. And the problem for this team, quite arguably. Yeah, yeah, true. Good point. And this team, you know, this the second half of this, or this, you know, the last two-thirds of this game, really, we saw a team that looked like they could or should be WNBA champions. The first quarter and a half, we saw a team that looked like they shouldn't be in the playoffs. And that's kind of been the story of their season. Yeah, so it's funny, the way this, the way this started off, we kind of started with kind of the players that were on the fringes of this game. In a way, we kind of buried the lead. Um, you know, Neko Gumake does not play Sunday in Connecticut. She sits that game. We hear that maybe some symptoms of like the illness that kept her out were coming back, and obviously this isn't something that was just linear for her, like a, something like a minor ankle sprain would be. And then Chelsea Gray just she dominated the game. They they were down nine at one point in the second quarter. And, I mean, this game, to me, was just like Chelsea was sitting. It's almost like she was sitting at a dial, and she just slowly turned it up as the game went on. Um, you know, she got them going in transition. They had an 11-0 run. Uh, she was part of nine of those 11 points. And then that continued into the third quarter, where she bangs two threes off the dribble. And that's something that's kind of felt like the lost frontier for her, or the last frontier for her. Like, she can go one-on-one, get to the rim, and then if she's shooting threes off the dribble, like that's you lose. Like she can, that's yep. that's she's able to do everything. And then at the end, just 
come set me a ball screen. If they switch, whatever, I don't care. I'm going to get a shot. You know, she had two shots towards the end there over Tammy Fag Benley, who was, you know, did a reasonable job, was there, and she just hit him over her. I don't know. Let's start with Dummy. NECA, Chelsea, like, I mean, pick, one, pick really, one what stood out. Most I'll be really surprised by Chelsea's performance, though. I think we've talked about inconsistencies. I feel like Chelsea has been the most consistent part of this team, for the most part, at least. So, I mean, she stood out to me. Did it surprise me that she was able to pull off the numbers that she did and drain the threes and do everything in between? No, not at all. Um, as far as NECA goes, I mean... It's been kind of up and down and up and down season for her as well. Yeah, she was out for a few games, comes back. We get last. Thirty-seven minutes. Thirty-seven. I know. It's like you couldn't, you can't even tell that she felt sick or that she had symptoms of anything. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like a okay. Um, but for me, for me, who always stands out is Chelsea, hands down. Um, and I think people should not be surprised by her by her performances ever because that is what Chelsea does every game in my opinion I think what stood out for me about Chelsea tonight was it was a reminder of how varied the Sparks attacks can be and they obviously have the two MVPs in Parker and Agumake but Agumake is best scoring once she receives the ball close to the basket whether it's rolling or posting up Parker likes to make her own shot, but she likes to do it from a triple threat position and kind of size up the defense, hold the ball, and go to work. Chelsea Gray likes to get everything off of the dribble. And that adds, you know, it's not better or worse per se, but it adds a different element to their offense because now you have someone who's creating the point of attack off the dribble, and it just gives you more looks. And against a team like Minnesota that's so well coached, and has some very strong defensive players, having that player who can make that work off the dribble. You know, we saw it tonight when they were having a hard time getting good shots, and they would just give her a high screen and get her just a little bit of a sliver of room, and that was all she needed. And just being able to vary that attack is is very important to me. And then NECA, I mean, it was a vintage Agumake Kate performance. She got 19 points on 14 shooting possessions. Um... You know, she's automatic near the rim. She's just she's just absolutely automatic near the rim, even when she is going against players who are taller than her, like Sylvia Fowles. Um, if she's, you know, within six or seven feet of the rim, she finds a way to put the ball in the basket. She has, just has such excellent footwork. Um, and for the Sparks, you know, to me, it's all about how often can they get her the ball in that position because they can get her, whether it's a pick and roll or a post-up, that's just one of the most efficient plays in basketball is getting Neko Gumake the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And one interesting thing with, and maybe we can transition to talking a little bit more about the links. Rebecca Brunson didn't play, still dealing with that concussion, uh, back, dating back to August 5th. So they continued to start Maya Moore and Cecilia Zandalasini at the three and the four. And then, so then the Sparks have a decision to make on how are they going to match up with the Lynx. This is a starting look, at least, that they haven't, they haven't seen before because the Lynx made this shift because of the Brunson injury. And the decision there was to put NECA on Lindsey Whalen, which was interesting just to see because we're used to NECA guarding Sylvia Fowles, Brittany Griner, um, 
some a lot of times the opposing centers. But as the game wore on, it was interesting to see that play out because a lot of the times the Sparks will double in the post, and when Sill got the ball, it was still Neca coming with that double, but it kind of helped. It helped kind of take away the first look for Sill, which would usually be for Waylon to cut to the basket. But Neca is running with Waylon as she's cutting, so in a way, kind of taking that away as she's on her way to go double her. So that was interesting to see that play out like that. It was a really fascinating move. And it I, it was kind of funny because I asked Coach Agler before the game if, you know, a team you've played this many times, are you going to, you know, what's going to be different? Are you going to throw anything different? And <laughs> both he and Cheryl Reeve, you know, essentially said, no, we, you know, we know what the other team is going to do. There aren't going to be any surprises here. And then they opened up with that rather unconventional a defensive look and I thought it was a it was a great move and those are are the kinds of moves and adjustments you have to make this time of year you have to be cognizant of your weaknesses you have to be cognizant of the other team's strengths and their abilities to attack your weaknesses and the things that maybe they can exploit and you have to be one step ahead of the competition and I thought just changing that look just like you said, making it so that those cutters were harder to find because of Ogumike's length sticking with Waylon, there just wasn't that space there. Um, it disrupted the flow of Minnesota's offense, and I think when you're going against a great team and great players, you can't do anything that is going to stop them. You can't do anything that's even going to slow them that much. But if you can disrupt their rhythm and what they expect to find out of certain sets just a little bit, those millimeters can be where the game is won or lost. And I, I think, I think an interesting thing about this game was that for the first half, I felt for the entirety of the first half, and even through stretches of the second half, Minnesota executed on offense better than the Sparks did for a lot of this game. And that second quarter, when when they went on that eleven zero run. It was the, the Lynx just missed some shots and the Sparks ran a little bit and made some plays, but they go up by nine. Simone Augustus gets an open three. You'll take that shot. She was open, missed it. Chelsea Gray gets the rebound, leak out, hits Neca for a layup. Next time down, Tanisha Wright, wide open three. She's not one of their top couple three point shooters, but she was open, miss. Uh, that was Chelsea had that that ridiculous pass to Jantel on the roll from the top. That was beautiful. Um, Minnesota comes back down. Lindsey Whalen gets an open three. Missed it. And then Chelsea comes back down, hits a three. Augustus gets takes a quick two, but she was relatively open. Miss. And then Odyssey Sims feeds Neca for a layup. And then all of a sudden we're tied. And I don't know that I mean that stretch seemed it was just strange. We're used to seeing the sparse going on runs like this at home. But, like, the process for the Lynx for most of this game looks pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the beauty and the heartbreak of these single elimination games, in my opinion, is variance plays such an enormous factor. Um, and even, you know, on the other end of, the, of things, there was a four-possession stretch that went for the Sparks that went Chelsea Gray 3, Raquana Williams 3, Chelsea Gray 3, Raquana Williams 3. And, you know, those are the team's two best shooters, so... 
you hope they're going to do well if you're the Sparks. But we've seen plenty of games this year where Raquana shoots 0 for 5 from downtown. Chelsea shoots 1 for 4 or 2 for 6. Um, Maya Moore missed those two free throws with two minutes left in the game. and It was a three-point game at the time. One, one for five. So one for five yeah. at the free throw line. Um, you know, in in a game that sure ended up being a seven-point game, but it was only a seven-point game because of the fouls at the end once Minnesota had effectively lost. Um, it really was a, a four-point game, and Maya Moore, one of the best players in WNBA history, left four points at the free throw line that you don't see happen. Um, so it's the kind of, it's it's the hard thing with with the variance of a single elimination game. I mean, the the Lynx shot 26.7% from deep. The Spark shot 36.8% from deep. I think the Lynx had better looks from beyond the arc than the Sparks did. But that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, you know, some of the, I mean, yeah, because some of those Sparks makes are, you know, the kind of ones that sometimes they don't even take those shots. You know, Raquana had mm-hmm. that, Chelsea fired that laser to her for that three in transition. Uh, and then, like as mentioned, Chelsea at those two off the dribble, which she doesn't always necessarily take those shots every single game um, of that variety. But we'd be remiss not to talk about Lindsay Whalen. I, you know, one of my big takeaways from this game was it was just fun to see. You know, there's a couple games at the end there where she's benched. She starts the final home game when they have Washington, but like she started this game and. You know, maybe some other players, maybe if Tanisha Wright is hitting, Waylon doesn't close this game, but it was fun to be, see her closing. Shoots 4 for 11, 1 for 5 on threes. One of the, That 1-3 came late in the game. It was a pretty big shot for them. But, you know, you want to see her out there. You want to see her part of that closing group. And in a game where they had a shot late to get back into it and even to win it. Any, any thoughts from you guys just on maybe Waylon on just this game or just overall her career or her season i mean the first thing for me that stood out was just that it's it's just an honor you know not to not only to see her play to get a chance to talk to her post game and to get to see you know the final page in her story this is one of the most storied players in the history of the league and and just to get to witness any moment but especially this moment was was special but what i love to see from a player in Waylon's shoes is for them to prove and remind fans that they're choosing to leave, not that they have to leave. And, you know, obviously her role is diminishing a little bit and it wasn't her best game, but you saw the way that she controlled the offense at times, the five assists, um, the five rebounds too from, from her position. She just showed that she's still a good WNBA player she is choosing to go out at this time, um, which is you know great for her. Get to see her focus on coaching, and I'm very excited to see what she does there at, at the University of Minnesota. But it's just fun to see a player still prove that they've got it, that they're still a very good player, um, and they're not doing that, you know, ugly swan song where everyone's kind of playing them because they feel sorry for them and and they used to be really good the way we saw with you know well i'm not going to name any names here but um so yeah it is is good she's she's a great player and 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 she's just such a, a strong ambassador for the game for women's sports in general 
even you know just the way she composes herself and and it's and she's that beautiful mix of of fiery and competitive and kind and compassionate that i think you know you see a lot of in the WNBA and, and really the Lynx team in general but you know we saw her after the game someone asked her about um what it's like to see NBA players supporting the WNBA because Russell Westbrook and Rajon Rondo were at the game tonight. A great, a great answer. <laughs> and, a great answer. and she just looked him squarely. He asked why, you know, why they're supporting them, and, and she just looked him squarely and said, we're great players. And that was it. And that's the mentality that she's brought to this league for so many years. Um, and it's mentality that has made her great and has made the league great and she's just been a huge part of the league and it's, it's been fun to watch her and it was it was an honor to see her final game tonight I completely agree with that also I thought it was very cool that when other reporters were asking her questions a few of them would start asking the question by saying I've enjoyed watching you I've enjoyed covering you for X amount of years so obviously there's a lot of respect for her for obvious reasons all across the board. Um, but I agree with you, Brady. It was, I mean, we talked about this for a second after the game when I came to and I said it was, it was bittersweet to kind yeah. of see her up in the podium and as she's walking away knowing, okay, she's, she's done. That's it. Um, it's but poignant. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's a surreal moment. But yeah, like you said, she's done a lot for the game. Um, she's done a lot for Minnesota. Minnesota is it's a place in Minneapolis City that... They love their basketball. I don't think I've ever seen a city who is so invested in not just the team, but also their players. So to have someone like her retire at this point where the league is probably growing, you know, at a rapid pace and it has in any, any other previous season, I think, it's, it's definitely sad. Um, but I'm sure she knows she's been a part of that growth and she's been a part of it from the beginning. So... I'm sure she will go on to do even bigger things and we'll be talking about her for years to come. No doubt. Yeah, you know, I, and to close on that, you know, Cheryl Reeves said it well after that it was good to see, you know, it was everything you wanted in her final game except the win, of course. But, you know, for her to play big minutes, to be hitting some shots. Uh, so that's, that was good to see. But Sparks have a game on Thursday. They play the Washington Mystics, who they just played over the weekend, which was a, a hell of a game. Uh, Natasha Cloud stuns them with the buzzer beater. But Washington is the three seed for good reason. Much like Atlanta at the two spot, they Washington just caught fire down the stretch of the season, and they really seem to be one of those teams where you'd say they're peaking at the right time. So I guess just what are some of your top-line thoughts on what this matchup looks like? Um, I mean, I think you hate to have it come to this, but I think the biggest thing in this matchup is the travel. Um, the Sparks played Sunday on the road. They got in Monday at 2 a.m., played tonight, cross-country flight tomorrow, game the next day. Uh, these are two teams that match up really well. I, th I think this is a good matchup for the Sparks. I think it was good for LA that Phoenix beat Dallas today and that they get to end up playing Washington instead of Connecticut. 
I think that works in their favor. But ultimately, the question for me is, do you have enough in the tank when you've been playing more and traveling more? You're going to go up against a team that's home and rested and hasn't been on on the road. And that, to me, is likely to be the, the difference maker in the game. But I think if LA can overcome that, they're in a very good position. I think they match up well. They have a lot of different looks that they can throw at Deladon, which is huge. Um, just having multiple defenders who are capable of of guarding her one-on-one. You can't stop her. You you can't even slow her down that much, but you can make life a little bit difficult for her. But the Mystics do do a good job of, of forcing switches and getting those mismatches. And the Sparks are a pretty versatile defensive team and, and, in my opinion, one of, if not the best teams in terms of defensive rotations. And that really helps when you're going against a team like Deladon. And then, obviously, they have very good perimeter defenders to throw at Christy Tolliver. That helps. Um, so... I think if you go down the line of the top, you know, seven or eight players, I think it's a really good matchup for Los Angeles. I really do, if they're playing consistently. Um, but consistency has been a huge issue for them. And you add in travel, three games in five nights, and who knows how healthy Neko, Gumake, and Candace Parker are going to be in. Um, so if everything is, is going LA's way, I really think they win this game. Um, but it's asking a lot for everything to go their way. Yeah, and I don't think we have an update on Candace Parker, right? I don't mm-hmm. think we got... I know I spoke to Nega after the game. She said she said she feels great. She's ready to go for the next game. Um, but also we've heard that before, and then she's been out with the same symptoms. So I don't know if it's uh, genuine, I feel great, I'll be ready to go, or uh, I'm optimistic, I'm going to be okay, we're going to do everything we can, and we'll be set to go. As far as Candace, yeah, I feel like... For all we know, it's something more serious. For all we know, like you mentioned, all the traveling, I don't see how that's going to help her kids if she's not feeling well. As well as with NECA, I don't see how that's going to help her situation with the way she's been feeling. Um, I don't know. I agree. As far as matching up, probably the best matchup for them. I feel like that's good news for the Sparks. Do I think that they're going to be able to pull it off and overcome everything? I don't know. I don't know. I am curious to see what they say about Candace Parker, though, and where she stands. Definitely. Definitely. Well, because, I mean, because, because it's a one-game playoff, I, I, I do agree. I, I think I'd, I would like the matchup in their shoes a little bit more than Connecticut because now you're in a, in a game where both teams are... They they will selectively run, but they're two teams that are gonna play in half court. They're gonna they're gonna move the ball side to side and try to execute. So I think that helps your case if you're talking about having some players not necessarily at their full capacity. But you know, I mean, the season's been going this. It's the season's been like this all year long. These players have had to deal with it. Um, so you know, they they've gotta go play a good team that seems to be that seems to be clicking. And we'll see how it goes. I I think the interesting thing with with Washington is, you know, they're you know, they have some they have they have everything's kinda come together. You know, they seem to really found this formula. But then in a in a 
one game playoff especially and you know what's going to you know Natasha Cloud has been this improved three point shooter is this going to be a game where she goes cold and goes over five Ariel Atkins has been this unbelievable rookie just like taking all these shots off the dribble and making it like carrying this huge load like is this a game where she goes cold like I think there are some interesting variables with them around Elena Deladon but they also have a lot of depth out there so they can throw it to people out there you know Tolliver is going to show up I mean, last time we saw her in single elimination, she hung nine threes on the poor Liberty um, in a single elimination game, I should say. Um, so we'll see. I, yeah, I think with the Sparks, it's just who's going to be on the court and, and how well are they going to do? We'll have to, just, we'll have to see once the ball tips, but any closing thoughts? I have a question, just out of curiosity. Thoughts on single elimination games for them or against them? I mean, it, I mean, it is what it is. Like, they they made the change. Obviously, the ESPN, ESPN holding the rights, they probably had a lot to do with that. And they thought, oh, yeah, this would be great to put on TV, single elimination. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, very, it's a very compelling thing to, to push out there. I, of course you want to, I mean, uh, Cheryl Reeves said after, like, I want I want to play in series in professional basketball. And I agree with that. I don't know, you know, it, I don't know. I would rather watch a series, I guess, to yes, to to put it like that, you know, because we're talking Thursday. I mean, we've seen it the last two years; it can happen. But you know, it could be a three seed or a four seed. You know, Washington who barely missed out on the two. They may they may end up going home if they lose one game, and that's tough. But that's just how it is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there are a lot of factors that go into it, and it's semi reasonable just given the state of the league right now and the the short season that they have to have um but it's it's a bummer for me to see a team work so hard play all summer and then have their fate come down to two hours where so where there can be so much variance i mean you look from minnesota's perspective rebecca brunson doesn't play maya moore has a tough shooting night um at some level, those things are luck, and it comes down to, you know, when those two hours where that game is falls. Um, so I don't like to see that. I, th- I think it increases how much luck comes into play and decreases how much talent and preparation come into play, and I, you never like to see that at the highest level. Um, but like Ben said, it's something ESPN probably has a, a pretty big pretty big um saying and the one the one bright side of it to me is elimination games are a lot of fun there are a lot of drama and um you know i said this to someone on twitter earlier drama is good for the fans it's not always good for the players um and it's a so it's a bummer for the players but at the same time at this point in the league where we're starting to see an increase in viewership um we're not i shouldn't say we're starting we're continuing to see an increase in viewership um things like elimination games get people tuned in and there is at least something to be said for that i know if you watch the twitter timeline today you saw a lot of people who at least in, in my experience aren't normally commenting on wnba games commenting on wnba games because you had two of the most recognizable teams playing in a winner go home matchup and i don't like to see it come down to that but it gets people in and it gets them invested and that's at least a pretty a pretty sizable silver lining in my book 
I do remember going on Twitter at some point and seeing people that never tweet about WNBA at all just suddenly, you know, completely hyperventilating over the game. So I completely agree with everything you said. It does create excitement. People get more into it. Um, yeah, so pros and cons, I guess. Indeed. All right, so we will look forward to Thursday. Sparks at Mystics and then Mercury at Sun in a rematch of last year. Those two teams met in that this exact round last year, so that'll be a lot of fun too. Let's, well, as thank you both for coming on, and let's just finish with plugs and tell us about what some of your upcoming work is. Domi, you first, anything in the works you want people to keep an eye out for and tell, <laughs> tell, people, right. tell people where they can follow you. Um, nothing to promote, just follow me. You can follow me at Delvin Reyes on Twitter or any other social media platform. I like Sports Access. Make sure you go on there for all of the latest coverage, of course. And I will have a recap of this game up tomorrow on WNBA Insider. And on Friday, I'll have something on The Athletic depending on how Thursday's game goes, either a kind of season recap, what the Sparks can do to get back on track next year if they lose Thursday, or just a good video breakdown if they win. <laughs> All right, so keep an eye out for that. That's LA Sports Access, WNBA Insider, and then, depending on the outcome, The Athletic Los Angeles, which you should subscribe to. It's, it's tough to... It's worth it. We're all, we're all still getting used to seeing paywalls, but... <laughs> It's a place that's adding some additional content little by little. They start with the links this season. LA's added the Sparks of Brady. We're seeing other stuff pop up, so it's important to subscribe. I think that I think that content alone, if it continues, is worth the six seven dollars, whatever it is you have to pay per month. And I will have uh, some more on Silver Screen and Roll related to Sparks, and of course you can follow along at High Post Hoops as well for everything we have going on there. That's it. Yay. Thank you. Thank you, Dummy. <laughs> Thank you, Brady. Okay, we've got a part two here on this episode of Lockdown Women's Basketball. We covered Lynx Sparks from Tuesday night, and the first game of the night we're now going to go through uh, Dallas Wings, Phoenix Mercury. The Mercury pulled off a 101-83 win, and I've got Jasmine Baker of High Post Hoops here with me. And Jasmine, I just want to start with, you know, the Mercury winning the halftime of the four-point lead. And just, you know, where did this kind of go wrong to you from Wings' perspective? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show today, Ben. Uh, Glad to hear your voice again. Um, Well, anybody who's followed Dallas all season can tell you this was nothing new. And this is no offense to Dallas as much as I love them. This, this, they know. And Liz Cambage just said this all season. Anytime we've interviewed her, she's consistently said their defense is a problem. And, uh, honestly, the, the, you know, watching it last night, I'm sitting there watching it, looking at Dwana Bonner, who 29 points, um, you know, which is a career high for her. And then, of course, Diana Taurasi at 26. And you're sitting there watching the threes they're shooting, Splash Sisters all night long. And it was just one of those things I'm sitting there watching, thinking to myself, how do you stop that? Dwana Bonner, as long as she is, I'm sitting there watching, how do you stop that? And it was one of those things that, um, to a certain extent, yeah, they got, they got out coached, but also, you know, consistently, like I said, there, has not, there hasn't been a solution to Dallas's um, 
um, defensive woes all season. Um, they have been known not to play all four quarters. Um, so, you know, they gave me hope, false hope last night watching that first half. So uh, a lot went wrong. I mean, even though Skyler and, and Cambage had, what, a total of like 45 points, that's great and all, but they've been doing that all season. And it just, even when they weren't, even when that, 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 that skid they went through, I'm curious, I need to look up the numbers, but I'm curious to see as to what Skyler actually um, averaged during that like eight or nine game skid that they had. But yeah, to, 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 you know, cause I've been asking myself that question all day. I mean, all yesterday, like what, how did you get, how did you go from hanging in there with them um, and I was watching the game last night with um, Lowe from Beyond um, Beyond the W, and we were just kind of talking about how <laughs> we were just kind of talking about the. Um, I was also talking to I'll remember his name in a minute. Um, I feel bad now, but we were talking about how Skylar Diggins does not as for as good as Skylar Diggins is since like the first season. Lo was mentioning this is the first season she's really fully healthy. Um, that she's not a rookie. Um, that she's basically firing all four cylinders, but just not quite that Mamba mentality that we need uh, as far as Dallas needs. So I think that's something that they're going to be looking at going into next season and. They're going to be looking at a lot of things going into next season because Dallas, Dallas and New York have the biggest question marks going into next season. So um, I really hope that answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that was that was a great answer. I think that's a very fair assessment. I think, you know, it's I was saying this kind of looking looking forward to L.A. Washington in part in the part one. You know, in a one game, you know, single elimination, I'm not I'm not quite as much inclined to like really put a lot of weight on matchups, you know, just because like it's just it's one game. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you you got to win the game. And but, you know, the way Phoenix is playing it, it's like it is really tough for what Dallas has struggled with defensively because they can just really spread you out. And then Brittany Griner is this eight foot standing target, you know, with their arms straight up approximately just running down the lane. And that's just so much that you have to account for. And yeah, I think, you know, I think, you know, something for me with Dallas, you know, I, I think they got a lot of love as potential title contenders. And if you're going to base it off their top two, they certainly have the two stars, but I think you look around them and I guess, you know, one of two things, and I'm curious how much these stand out to you, but one, they turned over the bottom the bottom 25% of this roster during the season as they were searching for some answers, especially a backup point guard. And then secondly, you know, a lot of these role players for them, you know, we, we've gone so quickly from them being a young team to now, if some people are going to talk about them as a title contender, but Alicia Gray, year two, Azrae Stevens is a rookie, Kayla Thornton, still relatively new, um, even though she has a little bit more experience in the league, um, just being a having a bigger role with the team. Uh, Kayla Davis, year two, although you know she was out for this game and wasn't you know kind of a lost year for her because she had to play out of position. But mm-hmm. you know, what are your thoughts on those two on those two things, and maybe the the impact that they had on 
on their defense? Um, you know, you know, part of it too. Like, I'm not sure you were you were going in and out. I think it was my um, laptop, but I think part of the thing is with Dallas is that people have talked about throughout the seasons, of course, injuries. Um, Dallas has been one of the few teams that has the most potential, gone through the most drama, and has not fully has not had a full healthy roster all season. All season. And it begs the question, okay, what's their true potential? Because we haven't seen it yet. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, uh, I think, uh, to me, injuries are the biggest question in terms of really uh, helping us understand their their being a title contender. Um, you know, Liz Cambage, after the game, mentioned she wants to come back. She said, I want to I be here. I want to ring. And, you know, we all know that she's contemplating whether or not she'll be back next season. But I think the biggest questions um, are going to come down to bench depth um, and, of course, coach. Uh, I think those two things really are going to help Dallas. Because my whole thing is this. Um, we're going to have to shape it up with our defense, obviously, next season. it's it, You know, we have to figure out how to – Play four quarters. I felt like at one point mentally we stumbled. Like it, it just, I don't. I, I feel like there's nowhere, nowhere way else to explain it. But I felt like it was more of a mental hiccup with the team um, when we went through that skid. Uh, and we've got to figure out things like that, the intangibles, more than anything. Um, uh, I like our core. I really do. I think. Um, I like the fact that we're bringing back uh, someone like Kareem Christmas Kelly. Like I will stand for her all day. I love what she brings to this team. Um, you know, she's not going to be, I don't know that Christmas Kelly will ever be an all-star. Right. But for Dallas fans, the day we ever, she ever gets traded, it's going to hurt. And you know, we like, you saw Dallas fans upset about the uh, AP trade, trade her and watch that. All right. Um, she's been with us, um, you know, since the inception. I mean, well, since they, they brought uh, her, Dallas to um, the wings to Dallas. And I'm looking forward to having her back. Um, I'm looking forward to having that 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 presence back on the court. Um, I just feel like mentally the team has just gone through so much and it's affected us. And we may just need to get a team therapist. I don't know what it is that we need, but uh, I'm looking for it. And that's not even joking because, you know, we all need therapists. I got one. But at the end of the day, we need something. And I think it's one of those things that's it's beyond, it's definitely beyond intangibles. So I'm curious to see how we make those adjustments during the off season, considering everything we've gone through. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, you look up and down this roster, like I, you know, they have a lot of talent. They have mm-hmm. a lot of depth. Yes, they have, a, and they have a lot of size. I, you know, and we talking about the defense. Yeah, I mean, if Kareem is healthy, that's definitely somebody on the court that's playing big minutes for them and helps in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, even just from the standpoint of her experience and just knowing where to be mm-hmm. before you even get to, you know, who's she guarding one on one, how good. 
does she do in those situations? Right. And because, you know, I, I mean, a lot of this, in a lot of, in a lot of ways, you know, Kayla Thornton, as great as she was, and I felt, you know, I felt she should be, I feel she should be on an all defensive team. She was out of position a lot of this time when she has to guard a, one of the quicker guards that's running around screens or is in pick and roll. You know, that's not something that she's done a lot before this year at this level. Mm-hmm. So there, I mean, they have a lot of options. It's, it's going to, but what the, what, you know, this, this coaching decision. And by the way, I mean, this is, you know, if Liz Cambage comes back, this is, this is quite an opportunity to walk into um, for, for whatever coach gets this job with the talent that they have, but they're going to have some tough decisions to make. You know, we, we, we also haven't mentioned yet that Taylor Hill didn't play that game. She's under contract, a big contract. So, you know, what's that dynamic going to be? Because you're going to need to get more out of her than just having her be Skylar's backup. So how does that affect Alicia Gray? You know, and if Karima's back, what do they get out of Kayla Davis, who in theory will be able to play more in position <laughs> right. than as the backup point guard? So, I mean, they've got, and Glory Johnson's going to be a free agent. So, I mean, they have a lot of decisions. And even if they bring everybody back that's under contract, it, it's going to be an interesting interesting situation to see how it develops Definitely. i guess you know, I, I guess for you with just look with those thoughts on the roster you know what do you think about where they're at and you know we know the two stars but what just are you know are your top priorities or what do you think is gonna is gonna are the toughest things that they kind of have to sift through and figure out I really can't stress it enough i think like i said i like our core i would love for to see us um um, I know, um, I know Liz, if she comes back, I believe she has a year. Like I, I'm assuming her contract is from year to year. People keep talking about this contract and I've yet to see anybody pull she, up any receipts she's through, on she's through what 2019. the specifics. Huh? She's through next season, 2019. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we would have her for another year. Skylar just signed, I believe, last season a multi-year, and um, I would l- I would love to see them keep Glory. I think Glory might. St- I think I think Glory would stay, but um, and I believe Karima just signed a multi-year too. So um, and of course we have all these rookies and sophomores, uh, and, and a lot of players in their sophomore year. Excuse me. And so for me, I really hope we stick with that. Um, the biggest question is, and ugh, we've had so many roster issues all season, whether it's injuries or people um, or, you know, medical exemptions and things like that and trades. And we've had so many, like, it's a, it's like puzzle pieces right now. There are too many question marks because honestly, we've, we either haven't seen enough production or we just haven't had enough time to actually get that production that we want to see. Um, uh, Maggie Lucas, I'm not, I'm not even sure how much, I don't, I can't remember how many she scored last night. I think she may have only had a bucket. I can't remember, but, um, and she hasn't been proven in in the league yet. So I don't know that that's even going to be a thing. I know, of course we look, of course, as we look ahead at mock drafts and things like that, we're looking at, okay, based on the mock drafts, who we see, we could potentially end up with that would, you know, is that going to be a good roster fit? Um, uh, I think we're going to end up, um, 
I think we're going to end up pulling in another guard. I like the fact that Kayla Thornton is obviously going to be coming back. Uh, Kayla Thornton's most improved player. Um, she's the most one of the most underrated players in the league, period. Um, you can't measure heart. You just can't. But, you know, we have a, a very um, strong core. And I feel like we have the right pieces to be a contender. And we're, like I said, we're a young team, second youngest team in the league. Um and yeah, I mean, like you said, with everybody kind of playing out of position, not everybody, but enough people playing out of position to the point that it's just kind of like, you know, and I know some people complained a lot. I know that a lot of people complained about how they saw production go down and a lot of players that were very, um, very much a factor last season in terms of, um, for example, Alicia Gray was rookie of the year last season. And then you had people expecting more out of Kayla Davis this season. Um, and, of course, you had uh, – who was the other person? Um, Lori Johnson. Like, between those three, I just – I feel like people complain the most about them, but I just kind of felt like to – the, to the wings, to the wings, I, I – Skylar Diggins, and when you kind of have the in and out with Skylar Diggins, Liz Cambage, I feel like the production is not going to be the same. And I always felt like there was always one of those three out of the three I mentioned, or it was Kayla Thornton, that was having an on game. Like, it just kind of was a different rot rotation in terms of who had an on game. No one was consistent. So... You know, I think that's something else that people need to give them a bit more credit for. Because I'm like, look, as long as somebody else is, you know, sharing the wealth and we have a balance, you know, a, a nice balance between three scores, I'm I'm okay with that. But, you know, I think it's the skid that people, that really bothered people. And I think, you, you know, that just has contributed back to the injuries more than anything. Yeah, I mean, I just, the, I mean, the fact that this the streak at the end that went on for so long, you can understand why people were frustrated. But I think, I think for perspective, I think, I think one thing, you know, one thing that needs to be remembered, and you know, Phoenix has talked about this: losing Sancho Little, Minnesota with games without Rebecca Brunson, uh, L.A. when Elena Beard, Nekogumike, Candace Parker missed games. It's like you know the. You know, Sandy Brondell told me it's just, you know, when you miss a key player, like you're probably going to lose. And that's just like, yeah. because, you know, if we're, if we're really talking and believing that there is parity in the league and that it's more balanced, that's, you know, that's going to happen. I think, you know, I, I think the, you know, you, you started talking about Skylar. I think, I think they have a decision to make because the way Skylar was able to play last year is going, is very different than what they need her to do when she's playing with Liz Cambage last year, she played with a center who was just standing at the three point line all the time. Teresa Plaisance leaving her just with the paint all to herself to look to attack. Well, you can't play that way with Liz Cambage who you want to get the ball to in the post. So I think to help Skylar out, I think they need to make some decisions on what they're going to put around those two. Yes. And if they prioritize shooting a little bit more, you know, Alicia Gray seems to have a little bit of a rep as a shooter. 29% from three last year, 27% this year. Um, you know, Karima hasn't always been a really a high volume three point shooter. You know, I think Taylor Hill and Azrae Stevens are two of the players that you'd kind of think can, can get that done for you a little bit more. Yes. And definitely. Kayla Davis. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have some options where they can try to try to emphasize that a little bit more to, to help to help their stars out. But yeah, like we said, I mean, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what they what they do in that coaching search, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, like I've made the joke with in Seattle with Dan Hughes. It's like, you know, they, they got him up on the phone and, you know, how quickly did he say yes when they said, hey, we have an opportunity for you to coach Brianna Stewart. Well, it's not you know, that's not. I imagine that won't be much different for this job. There'll be plenty of people that would love to coach this much talent. Yeah. And like here, in, I know that it's at one point, shout out to Nancy Lieberman, but they, where she was the big three head coach of the year. I know somebody reached out, one of Dallas fans, uh, shout out to our Dallas Wings fans, man. They're, they're the best. They love hitting us up and talking trash and being an assistant coach and, 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 and just showing the love. But uh, somebody reached out to me and was just like, yeah, man, Nancy Lieberman, I guess when they saw that she made coach of the year in the big three, they were just like, well, I guess uh, we can count her out of the coaching search. And I think that would have been a really good look because she's been coaching um, um, other men's semi-pro teams in Dallas. And she, she's a legend out there and just in the coaching industry, period, the women's basketball world. But I think that would have been a really good look. I, I personally, I love Taj. I love Taj. Taj is, um, she played, I grew up in Austin, Texas, where she played at St. Edwards University and um, a small private school out there. And she's, you know, a legend down there. Um, just, uh, you know, a legend in the league. But, um, and I, I like, I like Taj. I like her. I like the, I like, here's my thing. I like the fact that the players have a respect for her. Um, there's a camaraderie there with her. Um, I like her intensity as well. Um, I like that she gets after it. You know, a lot of people complain that Fred's, Fred's, uh, demeanor, um, was very laid back not necessarily what wasn't good for the team. And, you know, that's neither here nor there. I, I just feel like at the end of the day, based on what we have now, I think they need to give Taj a shot. I think they really do. I think, you know, stick with what um, uh, you don't have. I just feel like teams don't have that much time together, right? When when they're overseas for most of the season, most of the year they're overseas. They don't have much time together. I feel like go with Taj for next season, you know, and and then evaluate from there. But – you brought up another point uh, I wanted to go back to was when you were talking about uh, uh, Brianna Stewart and 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 um, uh, the coach uh, Dan Hughes and for as much as people talked about Brianna Stewart being the MVP um, as president of the Liz Cambage Club, I just want to say that. Liz Cambage and what she means to not just the league, but necessarily this team. I, you know, people, I haven't heard anybody say it yet, but my thing is this. At the end of the day, for as much as the league has changed and evolved and, you know, uh, uh, Ari, Ari Chambers has brought up that this is positionless basketball, that these players are playing now. Very true. And that's why one of the reasons why the league is evolving like it is. And to that point, if you did not have Liz Cambage on this team, we'd be down there with Indiana and New York. I'm I'm convinced of that much, especially with the injuries that we had this season. Oh, man. 
underrated. Just like people talk about Liz Cambage. She's probably the most popular player in terms of who people were talking about this season. But to understand what she means to this team, people have to under have been had to have been following Dallas for the past couple seasons to understand that though too, because like I said, it, there's no way we would have been able to hang. And I, I love, like I said, I love Dallas, but we wouldn't have been able to hang with the rest of these teams the way they're playing. We wouldn't have, been, we would have struggled against Las Vegas this season without Liz Cambage and, and the squad we have now, <laughs> like. I just had to throw that out there. There's no way. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, it's, and I think, I think the way most people will approach the awards, I think that will bear itself out. You know, I imagine most people, if Liz isn't their second choice for MVP, she's in the top three for pretty much everybody. And yeah, I mean, I just, she's, she's such an important voice to have in the league. You know, I think, you know, on the coaching side, to have Cheryl Reeve, and from a player perspective, to have Liz Cambage now, and it's not just her, but to have her as somebody that speaks her mind and speaks up on issues, you know, related to things on the court and things off the court, to just have, you know, that presence and that you know people are going to flock to it, and we've seen it already, like you said. So, with with how popular she's been this year, so it's it's been great it's been great following along with her and following her with this team. And it was great to hear, <laughs> it was great to hear kind of to tack on, to hear that from her last night that yes, that she does want to come back and, and hopefully that's what ends up happening. Um, but, you know, specific to this game, um, you know, any other, any other things you wanted to hit on from either, you know, Dallas Phoenix, big picture perspective. No, I look forward to us having, like you said earlier, I look forward to the day when we have a healthy squad and we have a Liz Cambage, uh, a Skylar Diggins Smith, and a um, a um, Azari Stevens as that 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 big three that that um, that Phoenix has. That I, I want to see that from from Dallas. I look forward to the day we see that because the potential is endless. So I look forward to it. Absolutely. So, and, you know, we, yeah, we, you know, we talked a lot about Dallas there, but like, like we said at the start, you know, Phoenix, the way they're playing right now, they spread people out. Diana Strassi has been incredible. And obviously the night Dewana Bonner had, um, they're going to be a tough out. And now they go to Connecticut in a rematch in the same, in the same round <laughs> that they played the sun in last year. Um, just what are some of your quick thoughts on, on those two teams matching up again. I'm looking forward to this matchup because I think it's a really good matchup. You have quick teams, both long. Um, I think, you know, Phoenix might have the advantage there, but, you know, just all around uh, well-balanced teams. And I think they mirror each other maybe more closely than people might realize compared to, I mean, it's like inside, outside, the, the threat is everywhere. <laughs> you don't, I think it's going to be one of the, be one of the best matchup, best matchups in the um in the in the entire uh playoffs uh i hated seeing the blowout last night but i'm looking forward to this one i really am i said after seeing because i remember ari was talking all season before we had even i had even seen connecticut play i just kept you know hearing her talk about him finally when i actually got to see them play in person 
oh man, I was just like, oh, these are these, these women are better than advertised. So I'm looking forward to this matchup. By the way, Ben, who do you have winning this one in terms of this particular matchup? I, um, you know, Howard Howard really pressed us in our in our chat yesterday to make a finals pick, and I picked Phoenix to win it all. So I I like I like them in this one. Um, I just I think Connecticut. They I mean they still have to answer the same question that we left we left them with when they lost in the playoffs last year. When a game gets tight, you know, we've seen them go on these incredible runs. And when they start hitting threes, they look unstoppable. But at some point, you know, the well dries up there. A team locks in. They set their defense. Where are, where are the shots coming from? We know that John Quill Jones is this incredible talent, but she's not the player yet where they dump it down in the post to her 10 times a game. And she goes and gets him a bucket. Are we going to see some of that from her? Um, you know, Jasmine Thomas is has been an incredible leader for them incredible two-way point guard has had some big scoring games but you know she hasn't shot the ball all that well from the field this year her three-point shooting came back down to earth a little bit is she going to be this player for them now that's hitting those shots or do they get it from somewhere else from from Courtney Williams having a big game or maybe Alyssa Thomas takes over a little bit more and gets her own shot okay yeah, I was about to say I've seen it, so I know it's, I know they're very capable of of uh, shooting lights out. So um, I look forward to it. I'm looking forward to um, watching how all this plays out. What did you? Well, you've already talked about that. I was just curious about what were since I didn't talk to you on that one, but what were your thoughts about the the last game, um, Lindsey Whalen's last game? Yeah, you know, I, I I think Cheryl Reeve said it best when asked about it in the press conference, just that other than winning the game, which of course they wanted, it was it was how you'd want her to go out. You know, she because there were those couple games before the regular season finale where she didn't start. And of course there were games earlier in the season where she didn't play at all or barely played and wasn't very effective. But, you know, in that game she was hitting some shots. She hit a big three in the fourth quarter as they, you know, they fought to make it a game and she was, she was on the court. She was out there. She was part of that, that final group for them as they made that push. And that's, that's what you'd want versus, you know, a game where maybe she wasn't as effective and somebody else had to, had to be out there instead. So that, that really stood out as just the fact that she was out there and she was contributing and that, and that added a lot of value to that game. Yeah. I mean, one of the goats. One of the goats. I'm, I'm excited to see how well she does in Minnesota. So, wishing her the best. Yeah, and we always talk about the relationship between the college season and the WNBA season. And, you know, hopefully now with her transitioning into that role, that's one of those things that will hook some people now. That people tuned in and they say, oh, Lindsay Williams retiring. Well, now maybe hopefully some people will be watching more Minnesota and more of Big Ten women's basketball. In the, in the fall and winter here. You know, and it's funny you say that. I think that that's another thing that I thought was really dope about this season. I was so, so blessed to have so many amazing people, um, you know, I call cause colleagues to talk about the league and, and just bring more attention and broaden the audience. Um, I saw yesterday, uh, one of my best friends told me, he said, Jasmine, um, 
he's like, I don't even really follow the WNBA, but he's like, the only reason I followed it this season was because of you. And then, um, and, you know, I guess it just kept up with my writing and just stuff that I was tweeting about. And then I had yesterday, shout out to Central Track um, for allowing me to have another platform. Dallas has a, basically like an entertainment lifestyle a publication called Central Track. And they allowed me to put a photo essay up there um, on their website yesterday. Um, the photographer, uh, Poe Portis. Patia Portis, she did an amazing job. She that was her first WNBA game, by the way, and it was so crazy because I just have to share this real quick. Um, it was crazy because it was her first game, and when we got there, that we were told that the league basically came in. This is against Vegas. League league came in and they kind of took over several spots, and so she, she basically told her, "You got to figure it out. You got to find somewhere. You know, you got to figure it out in terms of where you're going to shoot." And I saw her walking around the entire game, sitting and st- sitting in the stands near the baseline. Like she was all over the place getting these shots, and I appreciate everybody that's shown so much love because. It, it can be like that sometimes when you're dealing with the league, but or dealing with teams. And I think her product came out really great. My mom, my parents were sharing it with a few of their friends, and one of their friends who actually lives here in Dallas um, had emailed them back and told them, "This is so amazing and informative. I didn't even know we had a team here." And it's things like that that I'm just kind of like, well, I'm glad we have more eyes on the league now. I know a lot of reporters I saw were like sending out you know, offering to send out friends to their first game, which I think is just such a dope concept. It's unfortunate that we have to do, but it's such a dope concept. And I think, you know, uh, one thing I learned about the reporters in the WNBA is they're extremely passionate about this league and they care about the well-being of this league and how well it does. So um, I, I just had to share that little bit real quick. Yeah, no, and it's 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 great having you on. It's great. Yeah, it's it's great. You know, we spent some time. We got to spend time at All Star with a lot of the people. It's great to to make those connections and see people face to face, not just a, a, a profile on social media. You know, put a face to the name, and um, you know it 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 makes this it makes this all the all the more better. It makes this all the better to yeah. You know, because it's you know it can be tough to it can be tough to you know, a lot of people have been doing this for a lot of time, a lot of them a lot longer than, you know, I certainly than I have. And you can imagine that it's, it's tough to, to try to, to, when you sometimes put a lot of weight on your own shoulders to, to really help, help drive the interest and get more, get more eyeballs on the league. So it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's always fun to, to form those connections and to be reminded that there are other people that are, you know, doing the exact same thing and have the same things in mind for sure. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So thank you to Jasmine Baker for joining me today. You can follow her on Twitter at we got game two. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And you can read her wings coverage on high post hoops, as well as the rest of uh, everybody that writes for us throughout the playoffs, the off season, the college season coming up. Uh, so make sure to to stick around for that, and we'll look forward to Thursday's games.